Welcome, friends, to a special episode of the Out of Water Podcast. My name is Sam Kasten-Smith, and I will be your host in today's episode, which is to deliver the sad news that my good friend and my co-host for the Out of Water Podcast, Mark Lottenschlager, has stepped into glory to see his Savior face-to-face. If you're a regular listener to the podcast, you know that since July, Mark has known and received a diagnosis that he was battling metastatic kidney cancer and that it was a, a really bad diagnosis and that you know he could lengthen life, but he was not going to be healed from this apart from you know a divine miracle. And Mark had actually shown some improvement. He, his latest PET scan showed that the cancer was shrinking. The, the cancer cells in his blood supply had declined rather substantially. Uh, but on Monday morning of this week, Mark woke up with shortness of breath. Tracy called 911, and the ambulance showed up at the house. They were taking him to the hospital, and he his heart actually stopped in the ambulance. They were able to revive him, take him to the hospital, and while there, uh, the doctors gave word to Tracy that his heart had stopped again and that they were unable um, to bring it back. And so my brother, my friend... Uh, has stepped into glory and all the excitement that he has had for so long to see his Savior face to face and to be able to get to know him without all the distractions of the world. All that has come true and our friend is in glory. Um, And he was excited for that. I can tell you that for sure. But one of the things that was a burden for him as he was facing the prospect of death was leaving behind his wife who he loved with every ounce of his being, Tracy, his wife of 37 years, and his kids, Kyle and Amy, whom he adored and treasured and spoke of often and always um, with lots of gratitude for both of them. Even though Mark was battling cancer, this has come as a surprise. Uh, We expected that he had many more months left in this battle because the chemo drugs and the immunotherapy drugs seemed to be working. And so this did come as a surprise. On Monday morning, I got a a text message from a friend of mine who was dropping off a hose at their house, which is just funny to me because Mark was always joking (laughs) about how he didn't own a rake or a shovel or any gardening tools for that matter. And it was a matter of protest that he was just not going to do that. And so the fact that he had to have a a hose delivered from a friend is just amazing. Uh, But anyway, when the friend got there, uh, an ambulance was in the driveway and Mark was being loaded in and he called me and asked for prayer. And so I was back and forth with Tracy about sending out a prayer request to our church staff. And then she called me. And when I answered the phone, I said, how, how are things? And she says, well, Mark has died. And it, it sucked the wind uh, right out of me. It was not anything that, that I was expecting in that moment. And um, this has been quite a week. You know, I can tell you, just taking a, a moment of personal privilege, I can tell you that Mark was among the greatest friends I've had in my life. He is somebody uniquely that I could sit and just talk with about life and struggles and pains, Uh, but even more so, we could sit and talk about Jesus and the Word of God for hours and just, it never got old. (laughs) It just never got old. 
And he held that spot in my life as a true friend, a discipler, a mentor, a counselor, a loyal defender for for many years. And he was always, always a good source of encouragement. And he's going to be missed. Mark absolutely loved this job. He loved his podcast audience. He loved diving into the scriptures and helping people to understand them and to see Jesus as more beautiful and to see the treasures that are hidden in this faith that we have received from our God. In our hundredth episode, Mark expressed how much he loved the calling that God had given to him. I tell people I got the best job in the world. You know, mm-hmm. it's like I, I would not want to do a different job. You'd have to pay me three times the money to get me to to change jobs uh, because I just like what I do here and I like the people I do it with. So, But the podcast is a big part of that. I really enjoy getting an opportunity to come and to to teach the Bible on the podcast. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of fun. I think if you can't explain something from the Bible to someone of reasonable intelligence and sound mind in a way that they can understand it, it means you don't really understand it. Yeah. And you, you're really good at entering into the story. That's one of the reasons why I love talking about the scriptures with you is you're, you're imagining, I wonder what so-and-so was thinking. And yeah. What does that mean? And if that's happening, then what was happening over here? Like, exactly. <laughs> you like imagining all the blank spaces of the story that really do make you stop and go, yeah, that would have been awkward. You and I both, Sam, you know, we go off on tangents all, you know, squirrel, you know, we're off down, (laughs) we're off down some side road all the time. Uh, And I think that's valuable for people. I think that it allows them to let their mind range the same way instead of trying to figure out exactly where we're going. um, I feel like it's just a little more natural listening Mm -hmm. to a conversation. So how many episodes did you do before you felt like you were comfortable doing podcasts? Yeah, about 100. <laughs> <laughs> You're still not comfortable doing podcasts. No, it, it, honestly, that's that's not true. Um, man, I would say probably around 10. Yeah. Uh, you know, the first the first episode that took us six tries. Never actually aired, by the way. We yeah. recorded a different one. <laughs> <laughs> the first episode that we recorded was brutal. Brutal. When you said, you know, I could have a conversation with just about anyone about just about anything, but there's something about putting a microphone in front of me, knowing that whatever I say is going to be captured for all time and I don't know who's going to be listening to it and how they're going to process it that immediately turned me into a moron. <laughs> and it's like, I, I know not word to say, you know, like, and it just becomes really difficult. And, and honestly, now when we have these conversations, I, I honestly forget that I'm I'm recording something. Yeah. You know, a lot of times I'm having a conversation with you and it's like, oh, yeah, we're recording. Yeah. Um, and that's that's a lot of fun. Most that of the really time is. we're recording. Occasionally I forget to click the record button. Actually, just yeah. once. But it just happened to be last week. So a spoiler alert for every episode. But we try. You know, yep. we never want to end an episode, <laughs> you know, just focusing on man's stupidity and the hopelessness that we dig ourselves into. Which was harder during the Ecclesiastes series than other series. Yeah. <laughs> the Ecclesiastes, that, that could have been a downer. That, that may have been a downer. It was tough. But it is something that you and I share in common, which is this idea that everything should be gospel-centered. You know, mm-hmm. it's like any passage of Scripture that you talk about, any topic from Scripture that you talk about, if there's not some place in there where it connects back to the gospel, 
I, you're just not looking, in my mm-hmm. opinion, because for me, the gospel is at the center of everything. You know? uh, yeah, it has to be. Nothing uh, else uh, makes sense to me uh, apart from the gospel. It doesn't make sense with any hope. Yeah, <laughs> put it true. that way. That is true. Um, if mean, you're looking for a reason to go sit in a cave by yourself in sackcloth and ashes and ignore the <laughs> ravens that are outside, then yes, there are things you can do without the gospel. But other than that, you need the gospel. And the reality was, because he shared the gospel so faithfully, he was precious to so many people. There were some people in our church, there were people around the country who were listening to the podcast who had never met Mark, who'd never stepped foot inside Rio. And so over the course of these last two years, dozens of emails have poured in offering Mark thanks for his service. And I'm going to tell you, in the last five months since Mark has been battling cancer, those emails were medicine to his soul. And so as part of the tribute to him, I'd like to read you some of your encouragements. They really meant the world to him. In one case, a lady writes that she had just moved to South Florida when COVID struck and lockdowns were in place. She says, Lockdowns soon followed and I was left in an unfamiliar place with no friends and the only saving grace was a podcast from a church I visited once before we got covid These podcasts were such a saving grace during a depressing time. I went back and listened to all of the past episodes, and I enjoyed them all. The latest episode, Hard News, Good God, that I plan to download and keep. Someday I too may be facing an illness that is life-threatening and will listen to your podcast for comfort. I've never heard someone talk with such brutal honesty about their fears and faith as you did on that latest episode. It was so inspiring and heartwarming. Please don't underestimate how comforting that could be to someone facing the same challenges and questions you face. What a testament of faith. Another Rio family wrote, Our family thinks the world of you, and we are so grateful to have you in our lives. You have been such a faithful friend, encourager, source of wisdom, faithful servant to the church, and an incredible example of how to walk through challenges and suffering with grace and strength. Yet another person wrote, Mark, while I don't know you well, the impact you've had on my life is great. I'm truly inspired by your faithfulness to serve and glorify our Heavenly Father. Your contributions to personal worship and the podcast have touched me deeply, and your courage during this painful time in your life has really encouraged my faith. I hope that you feel tremendously loved. One note given by Will Bushman, who co-hosts this podcast, says, you have been a gift to me in this life. I'm grateful for all the prayers you prayed that eventually helped my knees and hands to stop shaking when I'm on stage. I'm thankful for all the knowledge and wisdom you've imparted to me. I'm thankful for all the words that you have written and spoken that have shaped my spiritual life through personal worship and the podcast. I'm thankful for your wit and humor. I'm thankful that you have taught me wisdom using my wit and humor, that my wife should never be the target of it especially around other people. All in all, I'm thankful that God brought you into my life. You make me desire to be a better man, husband, and follower of Jesus. One birthday wish that came from Laurie Johnson said, Happy birthday to the voice of Rio, the silver fox behind the tech box, the inspiration toward our daily sanctification, and so much more. Since I came to Rio in 2014, you have been an integral part of of the worship and wisdom and wit 
that invigorates our family of believers. Thank you for your tireless efforts, your saucy comments, and your passion for our Lord that you selflessly share. Your life makes a difference. I stand with you in this battle and pray diligently that the hope you have provided for so many will be multiplied and poured back on you. My brother Mark, I'm one of those people you've never met, but have been so blessed by the podcast. I know that God has chosen you for a purpose, that is to bless so many with your voice and even your new voice. Thank you for opening your heart and the podcast. Your sense of humor has been such a blessing and all the Markisms, just fun. I pray you get to bless us for much longer. I pray that the Lord will uphold your hand as you face this trial with your beloved wife and family close to you. Thanks again so much for sharing your heart and faith with the people of God. You never know how God will use that for so many others. I know that the Lord will never leave you nor forsake you. I am praying for you, and your suffering has meaning. God is sovereign, and he will keep you. Good evening, gentlemen. I can no longer contain myself and must let you know how much I am blessed by the Out of Water podcast. It is a challenge to listen while on the elliptical. I have to stop every few minutes to take notes since I can't remember all the good stuff you say. But that aside, thank you for studying and researching and presenting the material in a manner in which even I can understand. There's always something new that I learn from the text and put into action. I have no doubt that I speak for thousands of other listeners when I applaud your podcast. Have a most blessed evening. Our senior pastor, Tom Hendricks, wrote, I so appreciate your friendship, counsel, humor, presence, and service over so many years now. Thanks for loving Jesus, your wife and family, this church and me so very well. We are all better for it. Mark, you are much loved, respected, appreciated, and missed. Praying for you and Tracy daily. I love you, brother. And while all those comments were medicine to Mark's soul, the reality was he was living in the hope of hearing these words from Jesus. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Our brother Mark heard those words on Monday. And now for the remainder of this tribute episode, I'd like to share with you some things that we are going to miss on this side of glory, some Markisms, some of his wisdom, and the thing that made him come alive more than anything else in the world, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Enjoy. This is the Out of Water Podcast. Welcome to the Out of Water Podcast, folks. We're glad you could join us for another week. My name is Mark Lautenschlager. I'm your master of ceremonies, ringleader, button pusher, engineer, and probably many other titles that I've already forgotten at this point. This is the Out of Water Podcast. Welcome, friends, to the Out of Water Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Lautenschlager, pusher of buttons and maker of beep and ping noises. Uh, that's, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> To try to describe what you do as an engineer, Sam, and it's just you, it's just not possible. Are, are you making those up on the fly? I do make those up on the fly. <laughs> I don't give them any thought in advance. This is the Out of Water Podcast. Welcome, friends, to another edition of the Out of Water Podcast. I'm your host, Chief Cook, Bottle Washer, Engineer, and a Lawn Maintenance Specialist, Mark Lautenschlager. And in studio with me today, I had to give myself some titles, Sam. <laughs> 
This is the Out of Water Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Out of Water Podcast. We're very glad you could join us this week. I'm Mark Lautenschlager, your Master of Ceremonies bus driver, gardener, and probably the uh, the janitorial engineer. I'm going to do all those jobs today. I don't get the gardener. <laughs> See, that's what it's all about. We're like seeds in an, that have been planted. In an introduction, that's what it's all about. No, my job here is to trim the bushes, maintain the lawn, spread some seed around, water everything. Mm. It's got to, you know, because that's just, it's, I'm the gardener. It's beautiful. That's, that's what I, it's beautiful. It's, it is beautiful. It's pastoral. It's peaceful. That's the imagery you're supposed to be getting okay. here. So joining me in studio is our pastor of spiritual formation, Reverend so what is, Sam Katzenschmidt. What, is, what does that make me? I'm just trying to go somewhere with this metaphor. <laughs> don't, don't. You're, you're the fertilizer. See, here's the fun part. <laughs> here's the fun part is that people are listening to this. I will have cut the metaphor out, and they'll be wondering what you're talking about. Oh, that's, that's sneaky. <laughs> Sam's not making any sense again. Sam's not making any sense again. Look at that. So. This is the Out of Water Podcast. Welcome, friends, to another edition of the Out of Water Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Lautenschlager, and in studio with me today, as always, is our pastor of spiritual formation, Reverend Sam Kastensmith. And I don't have any clever introduction for myself today. I'm not making things go beep or ping or anything like that. It's just we're here wrestling with Ephesians chapter 3 today. Yep. 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 <laughs> Apart from the thought of Mark meeting Jesus face-to-face, one of the thoughts that I'm, I'm kind of bummed that I'm not there for this. But I would have loved to have been there when Mark finally gets to meet the Apostle Paul. Mark was a a self-identified Paul fanboy. He loved the Pauline epistles and one of his favorite series. No, in fact, his favorite series that we ever did was Paul's letter to the Ephesians. And so that had a profound impact on him because Paul focuses on how precious we are in the sight of God and how all of the story of the gospel was God's divine plan. There were no mistakes. I became a a Christian without necessarily understanding that God had had this eternal perspective toward me. And what this did for me to understand that, when I recognized that I'm not a mistake, that, that you and I Correct. being involved with this, that we're, we're not mistakes. We're not random. We didn't, we didn't sneak in. We didn't disappoint God in some way. Like, you know, ah, now those guys are here. Anyone can come in. <laughs> but, you know, but this idea that God wants us. And I like what you said there, this idea that, that God had a story that he fell in love with. When God begins to write the story, he is the hero who's coming to rescue the wayward bride. Now, it, we want to say, well, why? Why would he do it this way? And, you know, we kind of instinctively know that. If you look at like a story like a Harry Potter, yeah. you know, you, you, you don't get mad at J.K. Rowling for writing Voldemort into existence. No, do you? You don't. You, you, you get mad at Voldemort. Yeah. But without a Voldemort, Harry Potter, who is the delight of her imagination, who she wants to be the hero, is not the hero. Right. Right. There's there's no victory. There's no there's no expression of love. There's no great sacrifice. There's no triumphant moment. If she'd have made everybody just nice, you wouldn't read the book. (laughs) (laughs) You know, there's no hero in it. A bunch of nice children went to school and studied magic. The end. The end. La, 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 la. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not thinking that's going to be a bestseller. No, it's probably not. And it says that he's predestined us to adoption as to himself as sons through Jesus Christ. You know. I'm a parent, you're a parent, and if we had a child that, that needed nothing, 
that there was nothing we could do for them. How would we ever show them that we loved them? How would they ever know that we loved them? If all I'm doing is sitting back going, I love you, son. And son is saying back to me, that's great, dad. I'll let you know if I need anything. No, my mm-hmm. kids, you know, I, look, I changed dirty diapers. I wiped runny noses. I got barfed on, you know, it's like <laughs> I did the dad thing when they were younger and, and now my kids are grown, but we're still involved. We're still yeah. helping them out with advice and support and counsel and things, but, and material things too. But my children would tell you that they know that their mom and dad love them because mom and dad have always been there for them, that they've always been taking care of them. And that's what God is saying here as part of this is that, look, you know, I love you, my child, Mm -hmm. because of everything that I've done for you. As we've said already, Marco not only had an incredible relationship with Jesus, but he had this really wonderful and entertaining way of seeing his word. Mark really had a relationship with the Word of God, and it was obvious. Yeah, I like the New International version, which is a yeah, you know, it's it's one of those phrase by phrase type things. Yeah. So it doesn't, it's not the literal like he like Paul wrote the word he used just means and. <laughs> yeah, right. But but the New International version, trying to give it some flavor, I think, opens up with and as for you, it's like <laughs> I, somehow I picture it being sort of Shakespearean yeah. like that. And as for you, Paul turns and he looks over his reading glasses at me. You know, it's like, <laughs> uh, so it's, yeah. So chapter one, you've got God and he is it's just so glorious, right? Like he's doing everything and it's so beautiful. And like you said, chapter two is kind of him putting the newspaper down, lowering his glasses, <laughs> looking. <laughs> and as for you, yes. You know, it's so things are about to turn and it's kind of like, you know, we're about to be humbled. You know, I was, I was thinking about that, like, okay, so if we're spiritually dead, then spiritually speaking, we are a corpse. You know, what does a corpse do? A corpse does nothing. <laughs> what do we do with corpses? Well, if it's, we're talking about what man does, man buries or burns a corpse. God raises it. You know, that's, it's like the, it's like the absolute opposite that God in his, you know, in his rich mercy, because of his great love, he's going to take this corpse and he's going to raise it. I always heard this illustration of people talking about, you know, that, uh, they would use the expression trying to explain this whole process. They would say, it's like you're in jail, you're being held in jail and God has come through and unlocked all the jail cells. (laughs) Jesus died on the cross, paid for your sins, and God has unlocked all the jail cells. All the doors are open. You just have to have the faith to walk through them. And my response to that is just opening a jail cell door doesn't free anyone when it's a dead body inside. Yeah, that's right. What's inside the jail cell is a corpse. And so, yeah, you can unlock the door any way you'd like. Yeah. But Jesus, nobody's walking out. Yeah, Jesus has unlocked all the morgue doors. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's not going to make much of a difference. None of those little, you know, those little things you see on the, yeah, the CI, CSI where trays, they slide out. Yeah. yeah, those are all unlocked. <laughs> Any of those trays can be slid out. The Come thing on, is, guys, we've unlocked the doors. Yeah, Come on, it's not going to happen. If it does, it's going to be a different kind of movie. Um, <laughs> I tell a lot of my friends that have that that. Uh, so I guess we would say, if you're going to use a theological term, it's an Arminian philosophy toward salvation, the sense that man is some kind of a, of a spiritual free agent, that he's able to choose God or not as he pleases, as he, man, pleases to choose God or not. I would say to them, look, it's not that I don't believe that you're saved. I think you are. 
I just don't believe you know how you got that <laughs> yeah, that's way. Right, that's right. you know, there's there's your that. By the way, that is what reformed people call a sense of humor. So, and that brings us down to verse four, which is, you know, we find ourselves here at the end of verse three, dead, enslaved, objects of wrath, walking with the disobedience and under Satan's dominion. And that's the position we find ourselves in. That's a pretty good list. That's a pretty good list. (laughs) When we get to verse four, that says my two favorite words in scripture, but God, Mm -hmm. (laughs) someone is coming to the rescue here, you know, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us. I mean, that is that that right there. That's your hero statement. Yeah. (laughs) But God. Yeah. And that really is the bottom line here is that salvation from inception to completion from the beginning, from the very beginning, when we are dead in our trespasses and sins and God rescues us and makes us alive, to the very end where we stand before the the eternal throne of God and the new heavens and the new earth and we're feasting together with him and we're having all of these amazing things, that entire process from one end to the other is entirely bringing glory to him. It's entirely about him. And, and all the intermediate stages are as well, every yeah. point along this path. But it begins, it doesn't begin with us and then suddenly becomes about God at the end. That's not how it works. It's about God at the beginning. It's about God at the end. Yeah. And it's about God all the way through in between. He was seated at the he- in the heavenly places, and this is saying, you have been seated with him. You are seated with him in the heavenly realms, past tense. That means, and this is kind of mind-boggling, that right now in heaven, in the courts of God's authority, there is a chair with Mark Lautenschlager's name on it. It's got a big nameplate. It's a long <laughs> yeah, nameplate. German nameplate. Kastenschmitz. German, German nameplate. God's up there going, Germans. <laughs> okay. This is an aside that may not make it in, but if it does, folks, enjoy this humor. I, my Logos Bible software, I click on the thing. I like to read the passage in multiple translations to look for differences and to figure out why they're there, okay? So I click the comparative button, and it lays out the Bibles that I like, okay? And there's a lot of them. I look at a lot of different translations. And <laughs> <laughs> in, right in the middle of the list. And my wife laughed at this last night when I pointed this out. I don't know why this is here. It has the 1565 Luther German version translation of the Bible. And I'm like, it's like, I'm like, I don't even read German. I'm like, is it just the fact that somebody at Logos looks at my last name and goes, well, give him the Luther translation when he asks for a comparative. So yeah, it's Germanic. Uh, so that in the coming ages, this is verse seven, so that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. And again, the, uh, the cast and Smith notes are a little bit more extensive, but <laughs> my, my note here, we really should give people both of our notes just so they can <laughs> see the difference between how a pastor finds things and how a guy finds things. It's just, you know, he, just some guy. It, my note was, here's the clincher. Why did he do this for us? Because that's the question I think that people mm-hmm. ask. It's like, I don't understand the why. Well, here's the why. So that he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. In other words, folks, it's really not about us. God did what he did for us to bring glory to himself. That's the bottom line here is that 
our salvation wouldn't be nearly as glorious if it was all dependent on us. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't be nearly so glorious if it was even dependent on us being smart enough to choose God. Even if it doesn't depend on what we do, but just the choices we make, it still wouldn't be as glorious right. as it is in this case. And that's what he's saying. In the coming ages, he wants to show just how immeasurable his grace is and his kindness toward us is. All of this, in the end, is going to show everyone how good and glorious God is. Yeah, when I think of that, so in the coming ages, or as chapter one called it, the fullness of time, when right. when everything comes together to the climax and we dwell with him forever, like, this is what it's all about. He's so excited about showing the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness. Yeah. Like, again, it's kind of this selfless idea. And I, re- I remember until fairly recently um, when I used to think about heaven, especially before I I came to know Christ, when I used to think about heaven, I was so bored with the thought of it Um, because in my mind, what I imagine, you know, the fat chubby angels floating on clouds, playing harps and, and, and our job was just to sit around and and sing, which back then didn't sound very, very good. Now it's not, it's not so bad, but that's not a bad deal. Yeah. Yeah. Now it's not such a bad deal, but, that's not at all what it is. You know, when it describes you getting to heaven, the first thing, and in the Old Testament too, but in Revelation again, the first action is God getting up off of his throne and coming and wiping every tear from your eye. Right. Like, think about that. Yeah. Like, I, I used to think that you get to heaven and you just sit around and you go, oh, God, you're so great forever and ever. But in, in heaven, he's still humble. Mm-hmm. He's still selfless. He still comes and loves and gives of himself, and he's going to pour his attributes into you forever, and it excites the heart of God to do so. It's like he's, he's, he's imagining Sam and Mark showing up into heaven, and, and in his mind, I imagine this. You know, So this is Sam's imagination trying to jump into the mind of God, <laughs> where, where God is looking at Sam and Mark, and he's like, oh my gosh, look at how amazed they are by my love. They haven't even experienced even an infinitesimal fraction of it. Just wait until they see how much more of this right. infinity. They're going to be so blown away. I can't wait to see their faces and how overjoyed they are in the peace and all the other attributes that I get to pour into them forever. Man, I can't wait to see their faces and how much they delight. That's the heart of God. Yeah. The entire point of this great salvation is to bring glory to the gracious God and creator who gives it to us. Mm-hmm. And I, I like in your note, you point out again, this story has one hero. That's right. Yeah. You know? it's, it's, I love this old statement. I think came out of the Puritan era where it says the only thing we contribute to our salvation is, is the, the sin that made it, it necessary. Yes, I love that. It, it's, it's, it's so it's true. Just true. Yes, it is yeah. so true. But I wouldn't want to boast. You know, that's that gets back to that inward bent again. Yeah. You know, you know how freeing it is to say that my salvation is not reliant upon me. Mm. You know that that God loves me because he loves me. Yeah. He gives me this this grace, which I love the acronym there. It's uh, G R A C E, God's riches at Christ's expense. Yeah. I where did my name show up in there? Nope, nowhere. <laughs> yeah. I don't have. Nowhere. I don't have any of those letters. It's, yeah. it's God's riches at Christ's expense. It's, God's he riches is the hero. to Sam at Christ's expense, made necessary by Sam. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. He, he's, he's paying the debt. He's yeah. paying the debt. You know. But if you're walking through this life and you think this is all there is, 
you're naturally going to hold everything tight. You're not going to want to stretch. You're not going to want to give because this might be the only chance you get at having stuff. You know, this life is short. Live it up. Take as, get as much as you can. Right. So Paul is calling you to look at this hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance? This talking about this inheritance that's coming to you from God. If you walk around in that hope, it changes the way that you live. And let me, let me explain. If, if I told you that you had to walk through this mundane life mm-hmm. and or, or let's say I gave you a job and your job was to sit in a dark room and to put together widgets for eight hours a day. That basically is my job. <laughs> okay. I, I sit in a dark room and I put together electronic widgets. But now let's say that okay. you, you did that. Okay. And you made what, seven, $7.50 an hour. Okay, good. I, I actually make more than that, but that's you, good. You make more than that. Yeah, I do. Barely, maybe. Yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> but anyway, let's say you make $7.50 an hour. Everything's going to feel like a drag. Anytime you're imposed on, anytime you don't meet a deadline, that it's like, true. man, I, th- is this worth it? Yeah. But now let's say that you're putting widgets together eight hours a day, and the payoff is a billion dollars a year. Now, all of a sudden... I'd like those widgets. <laughs> you would like I those would like widgets. I'd like those widgets. And, and the things that they require from you don't feel so, oh, I can't handle this anymore. Yeah. And so what Paul is getting at, like, do you understand the hope that is in store for you, the glorious inheritance that the infinite God of the universe has stored up for you, that he's excited about sharing with you? If you understood what you're in for, what Christ has purchased right on the other side of this life, you would be free freed up from this this compulsion that we have that we've got to hold on to everything tightly that I need to keep what's mine because we know what's on the other side. Yeah. It's that's why Paul can look at his life and what does he say? I count it all rubbish that I can gain Christ, mm. right? That inheritance him and all that he provides. That makes everything in this life that we hold to such high regard and high value. It's like, it's going to pass through my hands. I can't take it with me. It just makes life petty. But when your eyes are fixed on what he has secured for you, it gives you a hope that changes the way you live. And not only what he has secured for you, but as we talked about in the last episode, that the Holy Spirit is that guarantee. Like, like. God isn't going to keep us from our inheritance because he gives us his spirit to live within us. Yeah. And that's not going to be something where it's like he's going to cancel that later. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, we, there's a sense in which people may not understand this idea of, well, so what do you mean he's a guarantee? Okay, well, if there's something of great value that I've promised to give you, I'm going to give you this thing of great value, and I give you nothing f- in advance. I don't give you any part of that. I just say, yeah, when, you know, when you come back, I'll give you this billion dollars. You're not very confident of that billion dollars. But if I say to you, Hey, you know what, Sam, I'm going to give you a billion dollars and you'd like that. I know. Okay. And I said, you know, as a down payment, here's a million. And it's, you know, frankly, when we're talking about the Holy Spirit. It's it's. I'm going to give you a billion dollars, and here's the full billion dollars up front. I don't want to. <laughs> but this idea that he that that he presents that as being it's a guarantee, meaning that I've invested this in you, so you can have confidence that this inheritance will come to you. So when we talk about this hope, again, I want to mention that about the word hope. It's not this idea of oh, I hope I get an inheritance. I hope it's glorious. No, it's a confidence and an expectancy yeah. there because we we hope yes 
as as in we're looking forward to it, but we are sure that yeah. we're going to get it. It comes with the full faith and credit of the God of the <laughs> yes. universe. There you go. You know that. <laughs> there you go. He is not going to default on his promise. This is legal tender in all universes, all <laughs> dimensions. Yes, yes, that is correct. When John described his vision in Revelation 19, it says, Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah! For the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come. And his Mm -hmm. bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. It's going to be the mightiest celebration any of us can (laughs) ever imagine. You know, they had weddings in the first century that lasted for a week, I wouldn't be surprised if this one lasted for 10,000 years. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and it will. Yeah. And it will. And you see, like, how excited he is for that day where he finally gets to see his bride. Right. Free from all the distractions and and disabilities that come along with sin and all the short-sightedness and all the ways that we mar the world and make a mess of ourselves, like – he will be far more excited to see us finally free of the mess of our world and the mess of our own hearts than we can even imagine yeah. what that's going to be. Yeah. You know, he he found it valuable enough that he was willing to to joyfully, in some sense, go to the cross because mm-hmm. he sees what mm-hmm. we will be on that day. Yeah. And no one was better at transitioning on a dime between eternal matters. And nerdy tech stuff than my friend Mark. Like Are you that. saying that you don't want my battle tag so you can join me in multiplayer games? Is that what you're saying? I'm, I'm not sure I even understood what you just okay, said. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> but, Your but battle tags? My battle tag. Battle.net is, that- is, battle is a gaming service from Blizzard Entertainment, the World of Warcraft, Overwatch, Diablo people. Is uh, that like dog tags? Yeah, it's similar. Of- it, it, if anybody cares, a battle tag is something that identifies you, but anonymously. Like my battle tag isn't Mark. You know, it's a it's it. so you you can create your own battle tag. You could be Samuelius or something like that. Whatever you wanted to samurai. be, samurai. Samurai. I'm sure that one's taken. Um, you know, you could be samurai one forty five. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, you know, and the, and, and uh, every, right now everybody is regretting that I asked. Yes, they are. But that's how that's how you connect with other people on the gaming service, and you can join each other in multiplayer games. That's all it is. Mark had an exceptionally high view of glory. He had huge expectations on the kingdom to come. But Mark also had an incredible theology of suffering. He understood that God had given him everything, that he didn't withhold his own life for the sake of being with Mark forever. And in response, Mark understood that God could call him to walk any road, even a hard one. And so in his sufferings through cancer, Mark would acknowledge that this was painful, that this was hard, that he wanted something different, and yet Mark would never curse God. At bottom, he was always grateful for a life that was far more blessed than he felt he deserved, even in the worst of days. And that was a theology that we saw repeatedly on the podcast. I think that 
people are open to the idea that, um, okay, God might allow something bad like this to happen, but they still feel like God owes them an explanation. That if you want my, my friend to have an aneurysm and wind up in the hospital, I need to see the good that comes out of that. Mm-hmm. That, that okay, God, if you want to stay square with me, you owe me the explanation. And, of course, that puts me right into the conversations that Job had with God. Yeah. Because that's really, you know, Job demanded that God show up and explain himself for everything that had been going on. And God's answer to Job, if you're not familiar with the story, is that, God came to Job, and all he did was to remind Job of who he was. Mm-hmm. That was the answer. And Job fell on his face and, and worshiped. It's like he, he recognized what was wrong about demanding the answers. Yeah. But that kind of thing sounds to me, if I, if I take my Christian hat off, if I'm saying, I don't know God, I don't trust God, I haven't, I haven't had years of time to walk with God and had this happen in my life, I feel like that's fatalism. That I'm saying, well, you just have to accept whatever God wants to do. And that's true, but we do it from a position of trust and love because of... You know his character. You know his character. So you can't take that out of the equation and expect it to make sense to people that don't have that context, I don't think. Totally agree. Yeah, but I do think that that's part of... I, I, I think you're absolutely right. If there's a prosperity gospel that infests us all... It's this idea that God owes us but, something because of how we are, or who we are. You know, in a way, I learned it from my uncle, who was a Presbyterian elder in Gainesville. Not that that matters, but I'm saying he was a <laughs> church-going guy, a religious guy. And Tracy and I, my wife and I, went up to see my aunt and uncle to encourage them because he had cancer, diabetes, all these things going on. And it was just clear that my uncle wasn't going to be with us much longer. And we went up to encourage them. We were going to go as the Christian couple and encourage my aunt and uncle. And we get up there, and my uncle is pretty much in a wheelchair. He's wasting away. He's, the radiation that he's had has burned his esophagus to the point that in order to eat lunch with us that day, he had a cup of liquid lidocaine, and he would take a bite from his sandwich and a sip from, I'm going to get choked up, wow. a sip from the lidocaine, bite from the sandwich, sip from the lidocaine. And yet that whole weekend, his attitude was astonishing. He wasn't somebody who needed encouragement. He wasn't somebody who needed us to lift him up. We were lifted up by him. And he talked to us about how this, and, and my aunt was right there with him, that, that this was the path that God had given me to walk. And his, his statement to me was, I'm going to walk it the best that I can. Hmm. And all the way home, all the way home in the car, we kept saying, and we thought we were going to encourage him. Hmm. <laughs> it's just, and I mean, but that, that was my uncle's faith. Yeah. This is what God had given him. God had given him this really hard and kind of awful thing to, to go through. And his responsibility now was to go through it the best way that he could. What God offers us is himself. Yeah. The message of the prosperity gospel preachers, you're trying to find something else, yeah. some other reason why you should believe and you should be a fan of God because God's going to do all this stuff for you. And what we're saying is, no, God offers us himself. Yeah. And that's, 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 that's the enough. guarantee. That's enough. Yeah. You know? And sometimes there's more, but this is enough that we yeah. would know him and have that relationship. In July, only days before Mark received his diagnosis of kidney cancer, my mom passed away from lung cancer. And Mark was an exceptional pastor. He was always kind and encouraging and just a great listening ear. 
Uh, when we shared the news that my mom had passed on the podcast, I talked about how in the last moments she had opened her eyes after being unresponsive, and it was while her favorite hymn had come on the radio. And here was Mark's encouragement to me. I, uh, I know it's been hard for you. I, I'm just so glad that it was, that it was peaceful like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe this is just, again, this is just a Markism. But I always believe when something like that happens, when they suddenly open their eyes to that favorite hymn and breathe mm-hmm. their last, I always believe the last thing they see is heaven. It's like, I, oh, I, I think that's why they open their eyes, because they're able to see through the veil. Mm-hmm. And I think to myself, oh, what joy, <laughs> what majesty you see. And I'm so glad that that's the last thing that that I believe that she got to see. Uh, there will be some grieving, uh, although not as the world grieves. Right. Amen. What a blessing that is. That, you know, yes, we grieve, but not as others. Not as those that have no hope, is what Paul wrote. Just several days later, Mark received his own diagnosis. In the immediate aftermath of receiving that diagnosis, Mark also learned that the calcium levels inside of his blood supply were dangerously high. However, the treatment for that high calcium level caused the calcium to attach to his lumbar area and to the nerves near his spine, causing intense pain, and ultimately, Mark was bedridden as a result. He was determined to use this for the glory of God. On August 20th, Mark and I recorded an episode in which he walked through the entire process from diagnosis to that moment. That episode, Hard News, Good God, quickly became our most listened to episode recorded. So he pulls it up on his computer, and here's what I hear him say. Oh. Again, when your doctor just responds with, oh, Hmm. that's not good. Um. And all of the medical professionals I have been around, when they've asked me what my diagnosis is, and I tell them my diagnosis is metastasized, you know, uh, clear cell renal carcinoma, they all say the same thing, which is either, I'm sorry, or, uh oh. <laughs> you know, it's just that's mm-hmm. a cancer that scares everyone because it's already metastasized. So it's already stage four. It's already as advanced as it could get. I, that's what I really kind of cratered was when I came home and I realized that I couldn't stand up or walk. I couldn't get out of chairs anymore. That I was going to become bedridden until we did something about this. And so that's what's happened to me now so far is that I have become bedridden. I, I have a hospital bed in my family room. Um, have a very nice aide that comes in several days a week and looks after me. Uh, my wife looks after me the rest of the time. I have a physical therapist that comes in here a couple times a week and works with me. But I am essentially bedridden. And I'm hoping that will improve, but I don't know uh, that it will. So that's kind of where I sort of hit rock bottom in terms of the bad news. And so that's led me to a lot of uh, having to be very serious about how I considered my relationship with God. Um, 
You know, one of the things that you've, you and I have talked about on this podcast for a long, long time is this idea that we are not entitled to any specific kind of life. We're not entitled to an easy life. God is not some heavenly Pez dispenser that will come around and hand us candy whenever we're interested. Mm-hmm. Um, he will, you know, he will do as he pleases with us because we are his creation mm-hmm. and he's entitled to do that. And so that's a difficult position to find yourself in mm-hmm. of, of having to say that not just to the people that you're giving counsel to, but to yourself. Now you're talking to yourself. And since there's no mirrors where I'm, where I'm ha- anywhere handy here, I end up getting the uh, selfie cam out and looking at myself in the, in the front lens of my camera on my phone a lot and having those little conversations with myself asking, okay, what do I really believe? What, what's, what do I think now? Where, you know, how do I, how do I accept this from God? You know? Um, and I had a lot of opportunity to talk with people who were very shocked to hear it because it just came out of nowhere. And I had the opportunity, quite frankly, uh, to give testimony to how I believed that God had been so good to me my entire life, that if, in fact, this didn't wait any time at all, but this took me in a week, that I couldn't complain. I could not stop and say, I didn't get as good a life as I deserved. I couldn't have an attitude about it at all. God had done for me far more than I ever expected he would, far more than I ever asked him for. You know, um, my wife of 36 years, my kids, both grown and married, and, uh, you know, out of the house. You know, my friends at work and the guys at church and just all of that was, if you put that on one side of the ledger and you put, you know, tomorrow's it, you're dying from cancer. The, the cancer part wouldn't even make the ledger move at all. Hmm. Um, and that's genuinely true. In the midst of this suffering, one of the hardest things that Mark had to contend with was the fear that he might not be useful for ministry going forward. He couldn't get out of his bed to come to church to lead the Wednesday night Bible studies. His voice had been impacted so severely that it seemed unlikely that he would be able to return to the podcast. And one of Mark's greatest concerns was how am I going to use my suffering for the kingdom of God? That led to lots of conversations about how God uses us in our suffering, how he uses the way that we suffer to other people to encourage them, to show them that God is far greater treasure than anything else that we could bring to the table. We talked about passive suffering and how God is using this in the lives of people around him as they watch him suffer faithfully, even when he can't do anything proactively apart from pray. Though it's certainly hard to see or to understand the purpose behind suffering when you're in the middle of it, in retrospect, we can all look back and see our brother suffering faithfully, pointing people to Jesus, even from a hospital bed. And we can see that he has greatly encouraged us. There was much meaning in his suffering. People that I barely know, that I might have seen once, coming up and pouring their heart out 
Or in my case, since no one comes up to me anymore, since I'm a shut-in, sending me email. Everybody knows my address. It's marketrevisitchurch.com. And I have received some of the nicest, hmm. heartfelt emails you just can't imagine. Um, I have been brought to tears multiple times by the things that people have composed and sent to me. Um, and I so appreciate them. It was a hard season, but Mark walked it incredibly faithfully. He was a good friend, and he was a faithful servant of his Lord Jesus Christ. Is this what really what you have for me? If this, if this is really what you have for me, I'll walk it. I'll go through it. But man, I wish it wasn't, mm-hmm. you know? But that's not what has happened to me so far. And so what choice do I make? Do I say God has left me? God has abandoned me? God doesn't like me anymore? He doesn't love me anymore? I, I got it wrong. God's not there. Um, or I don't truly have faith. What, what do I do with that? And the answer is what I'm going to have to say to the person who's sitting across from me saying, what do I do with this now? Is that we just accept it and live it and walk through it and we don't change anything about how we react to God, how we react to our brothers and sisters, how we, you know, this is all part of God's plan for us, all of it. And mm-hmm. it's it may be the hardest thing in the world for you to hear, especially when you're in the teeth of it. And I tell you what, it is hard for me to hear when I'm in the teeth of it. But I believe it. And so I will go. And so I will walk. And I will not turn aside and I will not call him. You know, I will I will not speak against him I won't I won't say that he isn't that he doesn't keep his promises I won't do that because he does and I will walk his road the best that I can because that's what he deserves he's that great of a God he's that good of a God he's done that much good for me that I'm not going to look back and I'm not going to look down and I'm, I'm going to look straight ahead and face it all As Mark and I talked about the diagnosis and what it ultimately meant for him, he was obsessed with the resurrection, with the hope that Jesus had purchased for him, that one day death would be no more. There would be no more tears or crying or pain, for the former order of things had passed away and Jesus had come to make all things new. Mark believed this. He hoped in it. It was his strength. It made the resurrection really important to me. <laughs> and that's the other thing you and I have talked about, is how mm-hmm. in years past, all of these different, you know, godly men, these disciples, these, these, these forefathers and, and leaders in our church over thousands of years, that they have all looked and talked about the resurrection more than almost anything else. Yes, of course they talked about the crucifixion. They talked about the payment for sin. Those are all things that, if they are not there, none of this works. So this is all amazingly precious stuff. But we just tend to blow past the resurrection. You know, 
what does the resurrection mean? Oh, well, the resurrection means that you get to have uh, a Christmas, an Easter egg party. You get to dress up nice and go to church and have your family over for dinner. No, hmm. that's not what it means. What the resurrection means is that when you are standing there staring at the end of your own life, you get to know there's another life waiting just there for you also. You get to know that death is not your destination, that you will not be overcome by this, that one second after you die, you're going to be just as good as you've ever been. And the resurrection is a powerful medicine for any fear of death. So here I find myself uh, just upheld in my faith so much by thoughts of the resurrection. Mark was immensely grateful for every single listener of this podcast. In one of our last recorded episodes together, I was able to express our thanks for him. Thank you for like, as an incredible friend to me, and as somebody who is always talking to me about Jesus and showing me how he's more beautiful than I'd previously thought and having these discussions, which I've said before, I'd do this podcast even if no one's listening, just because I love talking with you about him. <laughs> you know, really, well, I, I mean that. I, you know, it's, it's, it's a great, it's not just great fun, but it's a great spiritual, you know, moment where we really get to, to yeah. look at God in the pages of his word. And I have no idea what's what's coming in the future of, of the pages that God has in store for me, but I know that whatever may come, and for our audience, I know that we will be better for having learned more about our Savior from you. Mm. And so I, I appreciate you, brother. You're a dear friend. As the week has gone on and I've pondered how to honor my friend, I've gone back and listened to dozens of episodes of this podcast, and one thing is crystal clear. If Mark were to leave you with any wisdom, it would be to join him in the celebration of the resurrection so that he could see you for eternity alongside his Savior, Jesus Christ. And so I will leave you with the words I think Mark would want me to leave you with. For me, the gospel is at the center of everything. Today, as we sit here talking, there's still time. You know, mm -hmm. as you're listening to this podcast, there is still time. Those people that, that you know that need to hear and need to receive and believe the gospel, there is still time. Preach the gospel. Pray for them. You know, it's like there is, mm -hmm. that's the good news. Here's the good news. There's still time. We're not out of time yet. But mm -hmm. Jesus wants us to know that someday there will be no more time. When the marriage feast has begun. When that door is shut, there's no more time. I have no doubt that as I close out this tribute to Mark, that his one request would be that we invite this audience into a surrendered relationship with Jesus Christ, where we can promise you, you will never outgive God. His grace will always be so much more precious than anything that he asks of you. Please remember Tracy in your prayers, along with his son and daughter, Kyle and Amy. Funeral is scheduled for January 14th at 2 o'clock in the afternoon at Rio Vista Community Church. If you would like to pay your respects to Mark, I'm sure his family would be honored to see you. And now, for the last time, my friend Mark will close us out. 
Well, that's a good word. And I think it's one we're going to end on. From everyone involved with the creation of Out of Water, and especially from myself and Sam, thank you for listening. Well, we hope that you've enjoyed your time with us, folks, that it has been profitable for you. Uh, we have enjoyed the conversation. <laughs> Sometimes, Sam, we just do these for ourselves. You know, it's like, uh, but hey, I've told several people if nobody listened, I would still want to do this. Yeah, you know, it's a good conversation.